The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save and save and win. This is the Ben Burnett Show, the only show in America that features a one-term has-been retired politician that nobody knows on Extra 106.3. Welcome into the Ben Burnett Show on Extra 106.3. Thanksgiving, super special time of the year. A lot of you guys are taking time off of work. Love on the family. Go hang out with friends you haven't seen in a little while. I am appreciative of the fact that you've made time for me today. We've seen a lot in recent weeks. We think it's going to slow down around the holidays. And then, honestly, like this week, when you search for content and news stories, it's really about as busy as it's been in a long time. Elections in Virginia and Kentucky start to craft the 2024 narrative. You've seen Atlanta have the opportunity to host the All-Star Game that was stripped for erroneous reasons over alleged voting rights. And you've seen Governor Kemp start rallying leaders around the state and around the Southeast to support the Atlanta police training facility. Being willing to step out over something that is hard where a lot of your constituents are not necessarily going to see it your way can be difficult. And I give him credit for that all the time. I think the man's made incredibly popular decisions in the long term where he took a lot of arrows to begin with. You remember the COVID restrictions and the lockdown. He was one of the guys who was like, we're going to open. In fact, he was first and he wasn't necessarily the loudest. He has a ton of wind in his sails. Governor Kemp has done a lot of the right things. Some of those right things were sticking up for the state of Georgia when it had an all-star game stripped a couple years ago based on Senate Bill 202. Stacey Abrams crafted the narrative for the backdrop of her gubernatorial campaign the second go-around that people were infringed. They didn't have adequate voting rights. They didn't have access. Couldn't give water to people at the polls. And Major League Baseball kowtowed, moved the game to Denver. And then some years later... After Georgia has record-breaking turnout, Major League Baseball decides in 2025 that they're going to afford Atlanta the opportunity to host the game again. But I hope Major League Baseball learned a really valuable lesson with that. Sometimes politics isn't granted and based in reality. What Georgia did back in the day wasn't infringe on people's rights to votes. It was cleaning up things like absentee ballot voting. It was cleaning up things like codifying that there are three weeks of early voting. One of the longest early voting stretches in the entire country. At this point in the state of Georgia, if you don't vote, it's your own damn fault. No matter what the Democrats tell you, we don't care. Like, go vote. If you want to vote me out of office, go for it. If you want to vote for Brian Kemp, that's fine. If you want to vote for somebody else, go for it. It is impossible at this point with 12-hour days. Saturdays, Sundays, three weeks of early voting. It essentially gives you 16 or 17 days to vote. I think Major League Baseball has learned another lesson. One of the things Clay Travis talks about all the time, and he really used to do it a lot more when he just covered sports. People loved sports because it didn't involve politics at all. It was really the only forum where you could take the white-collar CEO and the janitor to a high school, and they could sit next to each other and have that in common. And even that has been corrupted over time. You look at what ESPN has done, it's almost impossible to read anymore. And it definitely isn't something that people take seriously. That used to be a go-to website for me absolutely every day. I bet I don't even look at it once a week anymore. Maybe if I want to go find a score, maybe if there's a series going on that I have any interest in, keep up 
with it from from a perspective of current events, but they've turned people off. Disney is losing record money, and ESPN is one of the assets that they ultimately want to divest from. Don't take my word for it. When all these conferences, contracts come up for renewal, you're going to be shocked at how small some of the mid-major schools and the small schools and those little tiny deals like the Colonial Athletic Association or the Southern Conference. I mean, ESPN can't afford to care about it anymore because they're going to pay through the nose for SEC football, and that's really all they care about. But the political narrative never seems to shift. I think the right and the left are equally guilty of making absolutely everything about politics. Sure, I get the narrative that was ultimately crafted by Stacey Abrams, but once it's disproved, why don't they ever learn? One of the stories on ESPN this week was about how law enforcement officers target black athletes. Like, it's not even, who wants to read that? Like, I'm a middle, upper class white dude. I'm skipping right past that article. And most of you are too. But as I said, it's not just the left that sits there and casts narratives over certain things. You look at Ohio and Virginia and some of the gubernatorial elections that have recently taken place. I think the right's candidly out of touch with abortion. And I don't mean that they're out of touch with abortion from like the far right's very pro-life, womb to tomb. They want to they want to restrict abortion rights. They want to restrict death rights. You look at the states that allow even the right to die conversations. That's another thing I really just don't have a problem with. If you're terminally ill and you're ready to go before your life gets really, really bad and insufferable, I do not care. I understand that that may put me in conflict with a lot of your churches. I'm a quality over quantity guy. I will always be. But Karl Rove, who was a senior advisor to George W. Bush, if you ask me, Karl Rove is probably still one of the smartest people in all of the political circles. And he writes for the Wall Street Journal about once a week, he drops an op-ed, and they're almost always super insightful. And the title of the article this week was Don't Believe the Hype About Abortion. And I honestly, for the first time in a long time, I really disagree with him. And it's not that I don't think that abortion shouldn't have restrictions. I clearly think abortion should have restrictions. But I think the American people are telling you with what happened in Ohio with issue one a couple weeks ago, that they are tired of talking about it, that they don't feel like it affects very many people. And there are actual issues that we need to solve. One of the things I kind of lived by when I sat in elected office is I am willing to fight with you guys over all the issues that we will never solve if you will come to the table first and we solve all the issues we can. If America looked at its problems with that attitude, Congress would be busy every single day. Nonstop, they'd never have an off day. There are a ton of things that are wrong with this country. Crumbling infrastructure. What are we going to do about energy independence? America has the ability to be absolutely energy independent. But do we want to sit there and ultimately pay the cost of what it's going to be to do that? Is it worth it to you to have a little bit cleaner air and pay even more for wind energy? To me, it's not. But America has the ability to solve this problem and move one step closer to energy independence, which brings me to the biggest story of the last couple weeks. President Biden and President Xi from China sat down on the suburbs of San Francisco and they had a summit. There were a lot of things that were talked about. Chinese tensions with the United States are at record highs. You've seen any number of hundreds of incidents where Chinese fighter jets are flying extremely close to United States military operations and planes. China is very upset with the fact that the United States vows unwavering support for Taiwan. And I think the Americans are afraid that China is going to ultimately invade Taiwan and really force them to the table to be a part of the one China. But I actually don't think that's an immediate threat. I think if China wants to bloviate over that issue, they're not really willing to go to the mat over it. 
because nobody wins a conflict like that. And at some point, there's countries that would get involved that have lots of toys that have the ability to kill lots of people, and it's not worth it to anybody. But the biggest mistake that I think President Biden made in the course of the last week was twofold. One, immediately after the summit, he called President Xi a dictator because he's the president of a communist country. I think that was a huge mistake. And I wasn't the only person who thought that was a huge mistake. If you look at Secretary of State Anthony Blinken's face, when those words come out of his mouth, it is hysterical. There's nothing short of hilarious. It's like, God bless. I do all this work to sit there and try to put us in good footing, have smoother relationships with our adversaries. And here you go again. This is why you don't elect people that are 800 years old into elected office. And uh, yeah, it's easy to pick on Biden because he's the leader of the free world and he's 100. But it's a lot more people than that. And he clearly just forgot where he was for a second. And don't get me wrong. I can disagree with President Biden from a policy stance. That man at one point knew what he could get up and talk about and say and what he was not allowed to get up and say. And sometimes you are not supposed to say the quiet part out loud. And President Biden calling Chairman Xi after a summit, which by all accounts was great. Look, the United States is going to start getting some pandas back. They wanted to offer that as a token of friendship. They want to soothe geopolitical ties. We want to stop being adversarial to each other in the South China Sea. We want to stop. They want to stop sending spy balloons. I mean, who even really believes that across the United States? But I do think America in 2023 is best served to have a peaceful relationship with China for all of us and for the entire world. But the mistake that I think President Biden objectly made in that summit was that he wanted to count on China to be a foundational partner for clean energy, climate change, and we want to leverage some of the technology so that we have the ability to get some of the CO2 gas out of the air. Guys, if you want to get CO2 gas out of the air, like, I'm fine with it. I grew up in Hawaii. I'm, I'm a little more climate changey than some of you. But I don't sit there and say, like, I'm not a hook, line, and sinker guy. Like, if I just asked you, would you like to breathe cleaner air? Under no uncertain terms, would you be like, yeah, that sounds great. Like, that's a great foundational principle. It's not the greatest threat to the world. But who owns all the technology, the chipsets? the motor capabilities, all those things. And who has the ability to produce that even cheaper? China, because they don't care about what anybody makes. China subsidizes absolutely everything on behalf of its citizens, healthcare, education, occupational training, and so on. They subsidize all of it. And they're willing to pay people $2.14 an hour so that they can produce the motors that we're going to sit there and put in our windmills. The other thing that I'll tell you, I care about what places look like. When you go to Hawaii now, you go to the Northeast, you go to the West Coast, you go to Iowa and Nebraska, it's windmill farm after windmill farm after windmill farm. And yeah, I get it. Like you need all sorts of energy and we need a lot more of it. But who do you think makes that technology? I'll tell you, it's not me knocking down a quarter of a million dollars. That windmill would cost 10 times more if you made it here in the United States. Well, what's going to be embedded in that technology? I don't think anybody knows, but I can tell you this. China is not a trustworthy actor in the least. You can catch the Ben Burnett Show on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Coming up on the 28th, I have Georgia State Senator Josh McLaurin. Josh is a Democrat. We get into Cop City. We get into the things that he disagrees with Governor Kemp about. But we also talk about how he grew up, how he got educated. He went to Georgia. He went to Yale for law school. He was Senator J.D. Vance's roommate, the new senator from Ohio. 
great storyteller, and we mix it up quite a bit. If you will send me a DM on Twitter, at Ben Burnett, or on Instagram at The Ben Burnett Show, give me your shirt size, give me your name and your address, I will send you a Peach State Pride performance hoodie for doing absolutely nothing but being pretty. Coming up in the next segment, we're going to get into Brianna Taylor and the law enforcement officer that was tried on civil rights charges, and the jury could not find consensus. We're also going to get a little deeper into that China conversation. This is Extra 106.3 Atlanta's all-conservative talk station. We'll be right back, y'all. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save and save and win. In today's fast-paced world, your business deserves banking solutions that are as dynamic and cost-effective as you are. Solutions like free business checking from LGE Community Credit Union, free online and mobile banking, no minimum balance required, plus no maintenance fees and dividends on your balance. At LGE, we're a smarter way to bank. See what's possible for your business at lgeccu.org. No monthly maintenance fees. Other service fees such as NSF, overdraft, wire, and stop payment fees still apply. Not all businesses will qualify. Membership eligibility and base savings account that keeps $5 minimum balance required. This is the Ben Burnett Show on Extra 106.3. Welcome back to the Ben Burnett Show on Extra 106.3 Atlanta's all-conservative talk station. I want to get to something really interesting. There's a lot of political dirty tricks. Tons of them out there over all sorts of time. You see them no more ever displayed than in South Carolina, which will come up I believe it's third, Iowa, New Hampshire, South Carolina. The the Democrats will go two weeks before the Republicans. The Republicans are at the end of February. It has a long history of really shaping narratives in a presidential cycle. And I think the worst possible thing for Donald Trump is slowly starting to happen. The more narrow the field gets, the worse his odds become to be the presidential candidate in 2024. And I say that for a couple of reasons. Do I think that Donald Trump is in any real trouble of being the Republican nominee for president? No. But we're going to run through a really solid hypothetical situation. First is Iowa, where we think President Trump will win. But I I think that Governor Ron DeSantis, who's picked up the endorsement of the governor of Iowa, is going to have some real steam. I think it's going to be a lot closer there than people realize. And then he's going to go to New Hampshire, a place where his politics probably play the worst out of the first three, based on the fact that it's in New England, and there aren't a ton of Republicans, and there's plenty of mild-mannered Republicans up there. But then there comes South Carolina. And I think the thing that hurts Donald Trump once he gets to South Carolina is that I think there's a very real chance that Ramaswamy could be out of the race. I think there's a very real chance that Ron DeSantis, if he does not come in second place in the first two primaries, throws in the towel. And I think there's a real chance that governor, former governor Nikki Haley, is the front runner in South Carolina. And Donald Trump should be the strongest in South Carolina. And and honestly, I sit here and I tell you, he's the strongest in South Carolina. That is a well-liked woman. And South Carolina has a long history of dirty tricks. You can ask me what I mean, I'll tell you this. In 2000, George W. Bush lost the New Hampshire primary to John McCain. 
And George W. Bush made a strategic adjustment, and he went dirty. That family, look, you can, everybody's got them in the rearview mirror. When they played the game back in the day, they played for keeps. They would put ballot initiatives up that favored Republicans, that favored W over over the Democrat candidates. And I'll tell you, you know, in 2004, they put gay marriage on the ballot because they knew that it was very unpopular and wouldn't pass a popular vote in nearly 75% of the states. And it didn't. And that ultimately was one of the things that carried W into his reelect. But the first go around when he ran against John McCain, I honestly laugh when you go back and look at this and read it. He essentially called John McCain in 2000 a traitor for what happened to him in Vietnam, which, I mean, at, at this point, like, the guy's, Senator McCain's been dead for several years, and, and he can't defend himself, and I think time looks at him a little bit more fondly. But he was more than willing to get into the ditch. But at the time, Governor Bush said that John McCain and Cindy, that his youngest child was actually illegitimate. And they put it out there, and it crushed McCain in South Carolina. Turns out that the daughter was actually adopted from Bangladesh, which has to be one of the dirtiest things ever done in any sort of campaign. But the Republicans have a long history, and the Democrats do too. They get a little bit more organized a little more often. The Republicans will fight tooth and nail. and that. But that narrative in South Carolina, that was really the last time that McCain had even footing with George W. Bush. I Can you believe that? In 2023, going into 2024, all you'd have to do is get the internet out. It just goes to show you what can change in 23 years. It would take five minutes today for you to read any number of 2,000 articles about Senator McCain's such a great guy because he and Cindy adopted this poor little orphan girl out of Bangladesh, but it really crushed him moving forward. And he never recovered because everybody thought once he lost South Carolina, well, he's not going to play well in the South. There's other things. I mean, you look at it back then too. The w, w had another trick up his sleeve in 2000 when Mitt Romney was kind of one of the guys coming on the scene. Governor Bush at the time sent out Christmas cards to a lot of registered Republicans, because all that data is public. You guys are getting all the text message. I still have Tim Scott asking me to vote for him, even though he's been out of the race now for about a week. But he delivered Christmas cards to people with a verse from the Book of Mormon. I mean, what dirty politics. You know, in 2000, the country was a different place. To be honest with you, I still think in, in 2023, if you ran as a Mormon, I still think that's one of the things that hurts you. I think you could definitely be a Catholic. I think you can be a Protestant. I think you can be of Jewish descent. I think you can have all sorts of religious beliefs, but that's one that Americans, especially on the right, still look at, and they, ah, we want to keep that at an arm's length. And it's funny to see what changes. It's funny to see the technology advancements where you can do your own research. It's fun to watch social media sites call out what is and is not real. But I'll bring it back to this for a second. If Ron DeSantis gets out of the race and Ramaswamy continues to decelerate, Nikki Haley could really change the tide by the middle of February. She really could because she that is going to be that is going to be where you 100% know what is going to happen in the Republican Party. I know Georgia's the week after Super Tuesday. I know that we're all excited to go cast our ballots and talk about who we're in favor of. I've long since told you I'm in team second place. Like who if it's Nikki Haley, she's not my favorite, probably a DeSantis guy, but if he gets out of the race, I'll vote for Nikki Haley. I just want to see somebody else do it. But if other people get out of the race and it winds up being Nikki Haley and Donald Trump and, and the trials continue to go on, I think Donald Trump is at his ceiling. In fact, you've seen him start to 
pull back just a little bit. He's get he's giving ground to some of the other candidates. Like in Iowa, you saw DeSantis pick up a couple of points based on the endorsement from the governor. I don't think Donald Trump is going to have as easy a time wandering through this race as people think in it, this week during Thanksgiving. Because the Republican Party right now looks a lot more fractured, in my opinion, than it really is. And yes, I know it's fractured. There's the MAGA crowd and there's everybody else. But it's also interesting, if you vote in the state of Georgia, for example, I can pull a ticket in a Republican presidential primary and I can turn around in May and vote for a state House, state Senate, U.S. House, U.S. Senate. I can vote in a Democrat primary. I can choose one party for one of the elections and I can choose another party for the others. You get two chances to go in the state of Georgia. Candidly, it's almost all the states where you can go. And I think Joe Biden being the president in 2023 means, and he's largely, he's running unopposed. Like, don't kid yourself. There, there may be other people who have names on the ballot. It's him. But if you take that strategy and you look at the other side and you go register as a Republican at this point for a 2024 presidential cycle, I think Democrats cross over and vote for Nikki Haley. I do. I think 10% of them do because they hate Donald Trump. I'm not telling you that they're right or wrong. Is that the right thing to do? Is that the wrong thing to do? But plenty of the states have open primaries like Georgia. And it's going to be, I I can't tell you, you know, I live in North Fulton. I can't tell you how many people, you see it all the time. You you saw it a couple years ago. There were plenty of people. In, in, In 2020, in the state of Georgia, it was really interesting on a general election cycle because you had Joe Biden, Kelly Loeffler voters. Think about that. There were just 10%, 8% 8 percent of the population, 10 percent of the population was like they checked a Democrat for president and they checked a Republican for the United States Senate. And we had two U.S. Senate seats up at that time due to this due to the special election. So what happens if these people wind up crossing over? There's plenty of people with no political ambition at all that are like, I hate Donald Trump. I'm telling you, if that gets down, especially in at the end of if that gets down at the end of February, and you still have these open primaries where you know Joe Biden is the foregone conclusion as the winner and the Democrat nominee for president, and Donald Trump is on trial, and the Democrats hate him. I mean, they hate him. I don't particularly care for him. They hate him with a wholly abject passion. It's not unforeseeable that you have average Democrats that turn around and, and vote for somebody like Nikki Haley, knowing they're not going to vote for her in a general election, but knowing that they want to take their opportunity to sink Donald Trump once and for all. Switching gears, late last week, you guys remember a couple years ago, there was a really unfortunate case with a lady by the name of Brianna Taylor who had a no-knock warrant served on her apartment. And a no-knock warrant, for those of you who don't know, is where a judge in a state court authorizes the use of a search warrant where they do not have to knock on your door and announce that the police are at your front door. So they barge in and her boyfriend who is in bed with her shoots one of the police officers in the leg. Now we don't know everything there is to know. No one will ever, ever know everything there is to know. Over 30 shots from law enforcement wind up getting fired and Brianna Taylor winds up being killed in her apartment, in her bed. It was one of the cases pre George Floyd where I think a lot of conversations happened that this country is not really, they're not front and center issues. Everybody probably at this point knows about Breonna Taylor and what happened and that she was killed by police officers. But there's a lot of things that go into something like that. 
there's there's a handful. There's no more than a handful of states. If you are a fourth, I'm a Fourth Amendment guy. I'll be the first person to tell you, I believe in your fundamental right to privacy. I believe in very few aspects of government surveillance. I think that law-abiding citizens have the ability to turn left or turn right out of their neighborhood without having a law enforcement entity that's subjected to criminal justice information systems and compliances. I don't, I don't think they have any right to know where, where I am, what I'm doing, where I'm going, where I've been. I'm not breaking the law. I have no criminal record at all. So why do you want to watch? But if you take that a step further, that's where a lot of people start and leave the surveillance conversation. There, but there's another aspect to your Fourth Amendment rights that protect you from unreasonable and unwanted searches and seizures, another part of the Fourth Amendment. I think this is the one in the Bill of Rights that is the, by far the most overlooked. That means law enforcement at the time thought they knew where an individual was, and they obtained a search warrant, and then they were wrong. And in that raid, they cared, killed a 26-year-old woman from Louisville, Kentucky. The law enforcement officer, who I do not blame at all, like you're, th- those law enforcement officers, they get put in harm's way. You, I'm talking about your feet on the street. They get put in harm's way a lot. And a lot of times you have to go serve warrants to people, and that can be a really uncomfortable process. Nobody wants to get arrested. So what your average person doesn't understand is that that job is extremely dangerous on its face. If you're serving someone with a search warrant or divorce papers or anything like that, it's not a really great day at the office. And the police officer with the criminal case was found innocent, even though he was there, even though he deployed a handful of rounds, a a jury ruled him not guilty. And then the Biden administration and their Department of Justice wants to press charges on civil rights charges that say that maybe that this was racially charged, that the guy was angry and he deployed a bunch of, and the individual deployed a bunch of rounds simply because she was black. I'm going to say a couple of things. I think the whole thing is incredibly sad. If you if you actually go look in the Georgia state statute, no-knock warrants are actually banned. They are. But law enforcement within the state of Georgia is allowed to overlook that law based on an old court ruling that happened in the Georgia Supreme Court 100 years ago. So they've taken something that applies, but you see, but I want to be 100% clear, you take states like Florida with Ron DeSantis, they're out, that you can't, you can't serve them. It's a conversation they're having right now in Kentucky. It's a conversation that they've had, that they've had passed in Virginia. And I honestly, I think it's the right thing to do. Do I think that plenty of the time, no-knock warrants take down bad guys? Yes. Do I think that there's a million ways to take down bad guys? Yes. Guys, they surveil absolutely everything. If you've got a car, the license plate, and you drive past the school zone in most of the states now, they know where that vehicle is. If they don't, they can put a team on and tail you. That's perfectly that's perfectly reasonable. There is nothing that precludes law enforcement from conducting investigations and physically following you. But I do think that the paper trail that exists on digital footprints is a little bit egregious for 99.9% of us. There's no reason why anybody would want to know why I am passing a school zone. And they do it all hours of the day, all over the state of Georgia. Everywhere I go, you get on Georgia 400, drive two miles, guaranteed you pass one. But where does that ultimately end? I'm not going to make any comments about Officer Haskins who was fired from his job as a police officer subsequent to that raid. I think it's horrible. Do I think that the man probably used excessive force? I mean, if you fire more than five rounds at somebody and you're with a whole team of people, 
it's questionable. But I've also, I, I can tell you, if you shot at me and I was a police officer and I had 15 rounds in the clip, you'd bet I had zero when I got done with it. I would want to make sure that somebody was no longer moving in a threat to my personal life. But the civil rights trial that took place after they couldn't convict him in state court in Kentucky wound up having a hung jury, which means that they couldn't come to consensus on whether or not, on whether the man was a racist who had hate in his heart when he killed Breonna Taylor or if he was angry or if he wasn't. And so he stands the opportunity, and I'm willing to bet that the United States District Attorney and the Department of Justice is going to try the man again because you can try him twice. And I feel terrible. Like, nothing brings that woman back. She wasn't doing anything wrong. And I understand the sentiments like that, a lot of people can run to their racial corners over issues like that. And I don't really think that that's necessarily fair either. It definitely goes without saying, when a white law enforcement officer kills somebody of color, it is covered differently in the news than, it, than if it's a white police officer who kills a white, who kills a white civilian. That's just the truth. Do I wish that that was different? Sure. But I'll tell you from personal experience, when you get into these law enforcement things, I've told you guys throughout time, I sat on the city council in Alpharetta. I got elected to the Alpharetta city council in 2017. And in 2018, I had been on council for two or three months and we had a white police officer drag an elderly black woman out of a vehicle. Guys, most of the time when I saw emails, they were like, hey, we've got a pothole there's a sewer cover that's missing here. I'm, I'm for this zoning. I'm against this zoning. The way that police officers are treated in the media is the only local issue that has the potential to make national news, almost always. And I will tell you, and I'll be the first person to tell you, I'm the guy who will sit there and I think law enforcement occasionally makes mistakes. I will also say that 98, 99% of cops do the right thing all the time. And I will never, ever, ever pretend to sit in a seat where I even understand the pressure that could take place. But I'll tell you, when we saw the police video, and it was one cop who called for backup, so there were multiple body cameras, and there were six white police officers dragging an elderly black woman out of a vehicle, and she was causing trouble. Like, she was mouthy, and she knew what she was doing. And she was, and she was 100% resisting arrest. The video and the coverage of that made ABC Worldwide News. It was on CNN. It was on Fox News. Guys, I had to turn my cell phone off for days. Our police chief had to go away for a period of time, all because a handful of people did the wrong thing. Guys, if you look at Alpharetta, Georgia, I bet there's 150 cops, maybe 125. This was literally no more than a handful of police officers, and it was scary. It was like... We, here's your address. We know where you live. You racist white city council, blah, 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 blah. All the while knowing that I've seen the police video and my emails and my text messages are like, what the hell were you guys thinking? I mean, I'll just tell you, when you sit in elected office, you have absolutely no control over plenty of the decisions that your employees make that work for you. And I'm not saying that they don't try hard, but damn, you watch six white cops drag an elderly African-American woman out of a car, and you, it is not hard. It'd be like, guys, did you not think that in 2020 or 2018 that this might make the news and this might make a bunch of people's lives really hard? And did we really, couldn't we not just sit there and be like, just wait her out? God, she'll probably just starve to death. We don't just sit there and look at her. She'll eventually get out. I still, I have heartburn over stuff like that. 
I mean, I swear to you, it was, guys, it was thousands, thousands of emails. My phone would never quit dinging about how big of a racist jerk, pig, cop lover, whatever, defund the police. I mean, I lived it. It was horrible. Knowing that they do things that are wrong, and it's not going to stop. My honest hope for the media is that there is a day that is out there where they will cover people equally, but they don't because Breonna Taylor getting killed is unfortunate, but it's also used to sow division amongst 330 million American people. And I'll also tell you, at the same time, that officer may very well be innocent. He's already been innocent in state court, and then the and the subsequent presidential administration wants to press charges and look for a pound of white flesh. It is broken, but it's broken long before racial boundaries. If you look at the no-knock warrants, like more states ought to really take a look at that because your fundamental right to privacy and unreasonable searches and seizures, that is really, really serious business, especially in 2023. The federal government and your state and local governments have more power to know exactly where you are at all times, that that is something that should go away. Even if I am guilty, even if I have been trafficking thousands of pounds of cocaine, for you to show up at my house and no-knock warrant, not knowing if I'm there or not, and just barging in, hoping for the best, like, there's plenty of households in the South where that's not the safe thing for law enforcement either. And you guys know what I'm talking about. There are plenty, I bet half the houses, even in the metro area where gun ownership per capita on a household basis is probably a little bit lower than it is in more rural parts of the state. But you look, you barge into somebody's house in South Georgia, you better know exactly where they are with your infrared goggles before you even go in because it is ultimately dangerous for everybody involved. I do feel sad for Brianna Taylor and her family. I do. Because by all accounts, her boyfriend was simply sitting there trying to protect, protect whoever was coming in. And who knows? He could be a terrible human being. I'm sure he wasn't great. You don't, you don't wind up with a warrant like that because you were doing everything the right way. I mean, I've never broken the law. I've never had a no-knock warrant. But I also think it is reasonably foreseeable for you to have the opportunity in the United States of America to take down any wanted person without a no-knock warrant. Like, after you take them down, you want to get the search warrants to go through everything that they could possibly have? Go for it. But I'll tell you, this one of the things where I have a, I have a tremendous disagreement with law enforcement. And look, I'm a back-the-blue guy. There's not a police raise you could ever find that I wouldn't vote in favor of. But that doesn't mean the policies that they get to go to market with are always the right thing for the future of our country or the current day. You can catch the Ben Burnett Show on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Tuesdays, I do long-form interviews. I'm going to be taking this week off, but on the 28th, I have State Senator Josh McLaurin, one of the only Democrats I've found so far to come on the show. I've got a handful of them, but they don't come out a lot. And, guys, we go to work on one another. I'm interested in the background. He was J.D. Vance's senator from Ohio's roommate in, in, in law school at Yale. Josh is an interesting guy. We have a ton of good conversations, which is where more of us need to honestly go. It's easy to run to your battle stations on CNN or Fox News or your preferred social media outlet and take shots at one another. And it's all designed to sow division. It's not always helpful. The conversation that I have with him is about an hour long. We talk about everything as a state senator that represents a piece of Atlanta 
We talk about Cop City. We talk about his disagreements with Governor Brian Kemp. We get into a lot of things, but he's an interesting guy. Considerably more left-leaning than I probably would ever identify as. But that doesn't mean that you shouldn't hear from him and learn from him and see where he wants to go. He's dropped bills that Burt Jones, the lieutenant governor, has put on the floor and ultimately got signed by Brian Kemp. None of us agree with each other all the time. But even more importantly, none of us disagree with each other all the time. You can follow me on social media at Ben Burnett on Twitter, and you can follow me on Instagram at The Ben Burnett Show. And if you will send me a DM to their Twitter, Facebook, any of them, and ask me for a Peach State Pride hoodie, performance hoodies, they're very fancy. I'll be happy to send you one, no cost to you, probably worth about $100. I'm grateful to all of you. Coming up in the last segment, we're going to talk about the FDIC. We're going to talk about President Biden calling Chairman Xi a dictator and watching Anthony Blinken's face. We're going to have a lot of fun. This is Extra 106.3 Atlanta's all-conservative talk station, and we will be right back. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save. And save and win. Tonight in Arkansas, there's a mother tucking in her daughter and turning off the light. A business owner is burning the midnight oil. An at-home dinner date is plating up possibility. And it's all happening under one roof. How? The power of a conversation, like the one John from Integrity Solutions had with First Horizon Bank about his vision for a sustainable mixed-use building. Now it's not just words, it's life. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash John. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. This is the Ben Burnett Show on Extra 106.3. Welcome back into the Ben Burnett Show on Extra 106.3, Atlanta's all-conservative talk station. A couple things I want to get to before I let you roll through your Thanksgiving holiday week. George Santos, congressman from the suburbs of New York, New York even has suburbs, announces after an ethics panel, finds that he stole money from his campaign, that he will not seek re-election. I don't know what in the hell took that guy so long. Think about all the things that Santos has been through. Turns out he lied about nearly everything during his race for Congress. He just finished a divorce with his wife, told people he was a volleyball player. There were a lot of illicit claims about what he did or didn't do with campaign finance funds. He won a district that had voted for Biden and previously voted for a Democrat. And he won simply by telling people everything they wanted to hear. They were frustrated with the Biden administration in the midterm elections, and he was willing to do whatever it takes. I'll tell you guys just as a point of personal privilege. Elected office, if you want to go make a difference and you've got talent, it's great. Love the ideas. I love the fact that there are people and professional staffs all over the country in cities, counties, school boards that want to see things get better, and they're starved for politicians with great ideas. There's no question about that. So I want to tell you, for all of you who think the fix is in with your local governments, it is not. And it's idly just a bunch of people who want to be somebody. But that can also be members of Congress. And George Santos wanted something so bad. He was willing to lie, cheat, steal, divorce, pick pick your poison. He was open. He was open for business. Nothing about this world is worth absolutely everything. Like that guy sacrificed all of it in order for people to give him the tagline congressman. 
And he says now, after 11 months, that he's not running for re-election. He's got his finances right. Everything's running through the process like it should. He's disclosing campaign donors. And candidly, that's probably easy. I don't see anybody giving that guy much of anything in the way of campaign contributions. Who can you imagine? He is gonna, he's going to stand trial probably in the spring. I know the Republicans are continuing to talk about whether or not they can live without him. And honestly, like, I wish they would. I wish they would go ahead and move on from him from Congress because I think there's enough there. I also am willing to say if you want to be the guy who's the due process guy, let it all play its course, whatever. At this point, there is an upteen number of things that we shouldn't tolerate out of our elected officials on the left or on the right. Like you lie about your resume, you're out. You lie about your finances, you're out. You take campaign contributions, it's found in a bipartisan, by the way, bipartisan ethics committee, and they're looking at new calls for expulsion of their colleague. Guys, I mean, that's both sides. I get that there's a lot of MAGA folks out there that are willing to let it stand. I ain't one of them. He's, he's seen his best days in this Congress. I don't know if he ever had any good days. And the media was out to get him from the beginning. But where there's smoke, there's fire. And I, and I said it a little while ago. There are a lot of places where you can run for office and spend ten dollars or $15,000 and give it your best old college try and hold elected office. The barrier to entry for the United States Senate doesn't need to be laden with Citizens United money, but it also doesn't need to be laden with people who are willing to do whatever it takes in order to get there. We also look at the FDIC this week. The FDIC, of all things, the entity known to back the creditworthiness of your deposits in banks has to deal with harassment charges, discrimination, punishment, lewd parties, all sorts of things. What the hell are these bureaucrats doing? I cannot imagine. And like, I, I, I'll be the first person to tell you, I do not really know what the FDIC does. I think banks should be solvent because banks should be solvent. And I think that it's not any harder than that. I don't know why the government's in the business of backing the money anymore. I don't think we need them. The big banks, they own absolutely everything. Wells Fargo, J.P. Morgan Chase, Morgan Stanley, any of them. They don't need the federal government. They have market caps of billions of dollars, billions, sometimes hundreds of billions of dollars. J.P. Morgan Chase is the largest bank in the country. It does not need the United States government's underwriting because it doesn't. And we got to get out of the business. But what are these? We could we could send a bunch of people into the private sector immediately. There, You want to talk about an agency we should get rid of? That's one. We'll start there. The FDIC, especially now knowing what these people are up to with your money, your money, my money, lewd parties, discriminatory conversations for a banking regulator. Like, I get it. If you're like on the walls, Wolf of Wall Street, then you know what kind of goes on, or at least they did in the old days, like, I think a lot of us are like, yeah, well, that's just part of it. In our own federal government, like these people, like yeah, we've got to get out of the business of power-hungry folks. We just, especially in the federal government, we need average people that want to seek appointed positions, that want to hold elected office, that want to do the right thing, that have made a little bit of money, that are willing to give some portion of their life to make things better for all of us, and then they move on. And that is not what we get in America anymore. Even all the way down to entities like the FDIC, of all things. The final thing that I want to get to this week is President Xi coming to San Francisco to hold a summit with President Biden. We talked about it in earlier segments. It's the biggest deal that has happened in the United States to the United States in months, if not the entire year. Our sworn arch enemy, China, Chairman Xi, comes 
gets a standing ovation from giant big-time business leaders and corporate chiefs that really want to see America open up trade with China because, candidly, we don't make anything as affordably as they do. And they have become an entity or a contractor base or a government that we can't trust at all because they spy on us, they poison us with their viruses, and they've done a lot of wrong things in the name of the United States. And it appears that we were looking for ways that we can potentially work together. I honestly think that's because President Biden knows that he doesn't have any control. They're the second biggest economy in the world. There's nothing we can do about that. They have an entirely different value system, way of life, form of government, whatever. And President Biden, after the summit in San Francisco with President Xi, calls him a dictator. And you can see there's a video out there online. I can't I I could play it, but it wouldn't show anything to you. Secretary Anthony Blinken's face when he calls Chairman G a dictator, you've got to go watch it. I think the hardest thing in all of government has to be one of those appointed officials, somebody like Secretary Blinken, because he's not allowed to say a cross word about his boss, the president. We talk all the time about First Amendment rights. At this point in 2023, that guy has zero. But when President Biden says that Chairman Xi is a dictator because he runs a communist country, you have to watch the video of Anthony Blinken's face because he's like, God, why in the hell did I ever sign up for this? We've got a guy who doesn't have his faculties about him anymore. And at one point, President Biden, when he was Senator Biden, saw his best days before he was the vice president. I disagree with the man's policies on pretty much everything, but he was kind of a centrist. He could at least string sentences together. He knew what not to say in public. And oh, man, it is just hilarious to watch Secretary Blinken. I mean, I think President Biden has lost the faith and trust of members of his cabinet because you can't trust what he's going to say when he goes out there. He's either going to fall or he's going to call the second largest economy in the world's president a dictator and double down. Oh, well, we're trying to smooth things over. we got to stop fighting in the China Sea. We've got to get our intellectual property back. We've got to organize our trade agreements with them. And there's no getting around the fact that the leader of the free world doesn't have the ability to string two sentences together. Coming up in a few weeks, I've got Josh McLaurin, Democrat senator in the Georgia State Senate. I think that's a guy who could potentially run for office. If Georgia 6 got redrawn, it would certainly look favorable to a guy like him. We have a really good conversation about what got him interested in public service, how he built a profile, where we disagree. And trust me, the for all of you who think I just lob softballs at people all the time, we get into it a little bit over Cop City. If you will send me a DM to Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram, I will get you on the list. I need a shirt size. I need an address. need a name. I'll mail them. I'll even mail a sweet friend Sunday school class, a whole bunch of them. Grateful to all of you at Peachtree Presbyterian who listen to me. This has been another edition of the Ben Burnett Radio Show. We'll see you guys next time. Hope you have a great Thanksgiving. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save and save and win. This morning in the Atlanta airport, no one's missing a meal on Mac Wilburn's watch. With 11 restaurants to serve passengers, he's got dining for every destination. And it all started when Mac talked with First Horizon Bank about opening a franchise in the airport. Now it's open for business and cleared for takeoff. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way.
go to firsthorizon.com slash Mac. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com.